Hello, my name is Galen Connell, and I'm a knowledge broker with the Canadian Chiropractic Guideline Initiative, also known as the CCGI. I'm trying something a little different today with this presentation. Normally, we publish podcast episodes on this channel, but I'd like to present a few resources on the topic of osteoarthritis over the next 20 minutes or so. In that time, I'll review a summary of an osteoarthritis guideline, outcome measures, the GLAD program, and a case scenario. Again, all this is centered around the topic of osteoarthritis, or OA. So let's get started with an overview of the recent CCGI guideline summary on care and management of osteoarthritis. In this brief summary, I'll explain the scope and purpose of the guideline and key recommendations. If you'd like to follow along with this narration, then download the guideline summary from the CCGI website at chiroguidelines.org under the Guidelines tab. The title of the guideline is Osteoarthritis, Care and Management Clinical Guideline. The guideline was developed by the National Institute for Health and Care Excellence, uh, also known as NICE, in 2014. NICE is an independent UK-based organization responsible for providing evidence-based guidance on health and social care. NICE guidance, standards, and other resources help health, public health, and social care professionals deliver the best possible care within the resources available. The CCGI recommends the use of this guideline based on its quality and reporting as per the appraisal of guidelines research and evaluation, the Agree To tool. Agree is a tool that assesses the methodological rigor and transparency in which a guideline is developed. So onto the guideline. The, the objective of this guideline is to, to cover diagnosis, assessment, and management of osteoarthritis in adults. It covers both pharmacological and non-pharmacological treatments, including referral to specialist services, surgical interventions, as well as follow-up and review. In this review, I, I won't be discussing much of the pharmacological treatments. I'll be focusing more on the non-pharmacological interventions uh, and referrals this guideline aims to promote effective treatment options to control pain, improve function and quality of life, and patient adverse events in people with osteoarthritis. This guideline has defined osteoarthritis as a clinical syndrome of joint pain accompanied by varying degrees of functional limitation and reduced quality of life. So osteoarthritis is the most common form of arthritis, and the most commonly affected peripheral joints are the knees, hips, and small hand joints which is why most outcome measures focus on these body regions. The target population is, is adults with a working diagnosis of OA, which according to this guideline should include persistent joint pain that becomes worse with use, predominantly in people age 45 years or older, and morning stiffness lasting no more than half an hour. So on to recommendations. The first recommendation is that healthcare providers can diagnose osteoarthritis clinically Without investigations, if a person is 45 or over and has activity-related joint pain and has either no morning joint-related stiffness or morning stiffness that lasts no longer than 30 minutes. These recommendations are similar to those put forth by Health Quality Ontario, who defines OA as people who have persistent atraumatic activity-related joint pain or aching and or morning stiffness lasting less than 30 minutes uh, are diagnosed with OA based on the clinical assessment. Uh, they also mentioned that radiological imaging is not required to make a diagnosis in people aged 40 years or older if their symptoms are typical of osteoarthritis. The second key recommendation is regarding education and self-management. This guideline suggests a holistic approach to OA assessment and management based on shared decision-making between the patient, 
and their family members or carers as appropriate and, and the provider to offer advice on the following core treatments to all people with clinical OA. Those core treatments are access to appropriate information, activity and exercise, interventions to achieve weight loss if the person is overweight or obese. Now, most provinces will have an arthritis society or organization with educational materials. Those organizations may also be able to direct patients to appropriate group education or exercise classes. Aside from the Arthritis Society and Arthritis Alliance, Health Quality Ontario has some good resources for clinicians and patients. So the practitioner should offer accurate verbal and written information to all people with OA to enhance their understanding of the condition and its management, and to counter misconceptions such as that OA inevitably progresses and cannot be treated. Ensure that information sharing is ongoing as an integral part of the management plan rather than a single event at the time of presentation. Care teams should agree on individualized self-management strategies with the person with OA, ensuring that positive behavioral changes such as exercise, weight loss, use of suitable footwear and pacing are appropriately targeted. This guideline made several recommendations for the non-pharmacological treatment of OA patients. It advises people with OA to exercise as a core treatment, irrespective of age, comorbidity, pain level, severity, or disability. And that exercise should include local muscle strengthening and general aerobic fitness. It hasn't been specified whether the exercise should be supervised or whether the healthcare professional should be providing advice and encouragement to the person to carry this out on their own. But exercise has been found to be beneficial, so the clinician needs to make that judgment in each case on how to effectively ensure participation. This will depend on the person's individual needs, their circumstances, self-motivation, and the availability of local facilities. Health Quality Ontario suggests that patients target to accumulate at least 150 minutes of moderate to vigorous aerobic activity per week, in bouts of 10 minutes or more. Even a small amount of physical activity is better than none. The NICE guideline also recommends that practitioners offer interventions to achieve weight loss as a core treatment for people who are obese or overweight. Now, adjuncts to those core treatments could include the use of local heat or cold, uh, manipulation or stretching, and, and particularly for osteoarthritis of the hip. They also suggest that healthcare professionals consider the use of uh, transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation, TENS, as an adjunct to core treatments for pain relief. This guideline states that practitioners do not offer acupuncture for the management of OA. However, the CCI recognizes that acupuncture is one of the commonly used treatments by chiropractors in Canada, and would therefore like to highlight how the NICE Guideline Development Group developed this recommendation, in that overall, even though there is no evidence that acupuncture was harmful, the efficacy data failed to reach the level of a clinically important difference of acupuncture over sham acupuncture. This led to the Guideline Development Group to support a do-not-offer-acupuncture recommendation. So essentially they're saying that it wasn't shown to be more helpful than a sham, however it wasn't shown to be harmful. Now, this is one of the most contentious recommendations made by NACE, so keep in mind that the published efficacy of acupuncture may have changed since 2013, and that when practicing in a patient-centered model, it's important to understand the patient's preferences and past experiences, which may or may not include acupuncture. This guideline also says to offer advice on appropriate footwear as part of core treatments for people with lower limb osteoarthritis. People with OA who have biomechanical joint pain or instability should be considered for assessment for bracing, joint supports, or insoles as an adjunct to their core treatments. Assistive devices, such as walking sticks, 
should be considered as adjunct structural treatments for people with osteoarthritis who have specific problems with activities of daily living. If needed, seek expert advice in this context, for example, an occupational therapist. And finally, the guideline says do not offer glucosamine or chondroitin products for the management of osteoarthritis. Now, pharmacological management of osteoarthritis was discussed in the NICE guideline and can be found on the online document. If you'd like to review the information, then please download it at www.chiroguidelines.org. I'll briefly touch on the recommendations for surgical interventions. Regarding invasive treatments for NEOA, the guideline says do not refer for arthroscopic lavage and debridement as part of treatment for OA, unless the person has NEOA with a clear history of mechanical locking, as opposed to morning joint stiffness, giving way, or x-ray evidence of loose bodies. And finally, the guideline discusses follow-up and review. It recommends that you offer regular reviews to all people with symptomatic OA, and that reviews should include monitoring the person's symptoms and the ongoing impact of the condition on their everyday activities and quality of life, monitor the long-term course of the condition, discuss the person's knowledge of the condition and any concerns they have, or personal preference and their ability to access services. Review the effectiveness and tolerability of all treatments. And support for self-management. Consider an annual review for any person with one or more of the following. Troublesome joint pain, more than one joint with symptoms, more than one comorbidity, or taking regular medication for their OA. This concludes our summary of the NICE OA guideline. But now we have an opportunity to discuss a few other interesting aspects of, of OA management. One is the GLAD program, and the other is uh, outcome measures that may be useful in your practice. So let's start with GLAD Canada, which is a really interesting, unique program um, that's recently been made available in Canada. GLAD Canada is an eight-week education and exercise program for all individuals who experience any severity of hip and or knee OA symptoms. Based on the success of the program in Denmark, the GLAD Education and Exercise Program for Knee and Hip OA is now available in Canada. The program is being launched in regions within Ontario, including CMCC, with plans for expansion across Canada over the next three years. So what is this program? It's, it consists of two to three educational sessions, consisting of 90-minute education sessions that will teach participants about OA risk factors and symptoms, self-management, why and how exercise can help manage OA, and how to cope with the difficulties of daily activities associated with OA. The program also includes 12 neuromuscular exercise sessions, which consists of 60-minute group exercise sessions twice a week for six weeks by a certified therapist. Patients learn to control movements and proper posture, build muscular strength through functional exercises, and learn how to apply these exercises to everyday activities. And data collection and quality monitoring occurs at the initial visit, uh, three months and 12 months after the start of the program. The outcomes of participants in the GLAD Canada program through the end of December 2017 were a reduced pain intensity by 28%, were a reduced pain intensity by 28%, quality of life improvement by 25% for knee participants and 10% by hip participants, 90% benefited and were satisfied with the program, and 35% of participants increased their physical activity. So these statistics segue into the importance and utility of outcome measures for this condition. So I'll spend a bit of time discussing outcome measures that can be useful for OA conditions. 
There are several OA scales in circulation, so I'll only present a few. The first two outcome measures are the coos and the hoos, the knee injury and osteoarthritis outcome score, and the hip disability and osteoarthritis outcome score. So coos for knee, hoos for hip. The coos is a 42 item outcome measure. However, there is a short form that consists of seven questions. The hoos is for hip and is a 40 item outcome measure. And the short form consists of five questions. The coos and hoos are both used by GLAD Canada. Despite their brevity, these short forms exhibit good measurement properties in the domain of physical functioning and are free of charge to use. Neither the coos or the hoos measure pain. However, this can be done via visual analog scale or numeric rating scale. The Western Ontario McMaster University's Arthritis Index, or WOMAC, can be used to assess pain, disability, and joint stiffness in hip and knee OA. It's been reported as valid, reliable, and responsive to OA outcomes. It is lengthy, it's a 24 item measure, and requires a license to use. Requiring a license potentially limits broad implementation of this. The Oxford knee and hip scores are for post-joint replacement surgery. It's 12 items and assesses pain and function. The applicability to general, the general OA population is unclear and requires a license to use. While the Oxford knee and hip score is a 12-item measure, it's geared to measure outcomes following joint replacement surgery, which might be limiting in the larger context. The Australian-Canadian Index for Hand Osteoarthritis, or OSCAN, is a 15-item score divided into three subscales of pain, stiffness, and physical function. For multiple sites of OA, the Health Assessment Questionnaire, or HAQ, uh, is another option, a 20-item outcome measure divided into eight domains, which include dressing, grooming, arising, eating, walking, hygiene, reach, grip, and activities. If you're looking to assess function, then the 30-second chair stand test could be appropriate, or the 40-meter walk test, which is measured in meters per second. When assessing pain, you can use a visual analog scale or a numeric rating scale. The GLAD Canada program uses the numeric rating scale for pain. And also the GLAD Canada program uses a 30-second chair stand and 40-meter walk test. So let's move on to a clinical case. The following case scenario is meant to illustrate how the osteoarthritis guidelines can be used with a patient. Mrs. Smith is a 66-year-old female with bilateral knee pain that has worsened over the past two years. She is 5 foot 3 inches tall and weighs 190 pounds. She takes prescribed medication for hypertension and depression. She presents with pain and limited passive knee flexion and medial joint line tenderness. Her numeric pain rating score is 6 out of 10. She has difficulty getting up and down stairs and getting in and out of her car. What clinical tests or outcome measures would you consider? So you might consider a numeric pain rating scale, uh, the 40 meter walk test, 30 second chair test, or possibly the coos, the knee injury and osteoarthritis outcome score. Now, how would you manage this case? Her BMI categorizes her as obese, so weight loss is worth discussing, and assessing the patient's readiness to change. Have a conversation about her activity level, are there opportunities to improve general aerobic fitness via swimming or cycling? Are there opportunities to join a fitness class at the community center? 
to improve local muscle strengthening? And are there barriers to achieving these goals or making lifestyle changes? It would be useful to discuss symptomatic care to support her through those lifestyle changes and being more active, which may include manual therapy, TENS, heat, or cold. Consider planning a follow-up session and make SMART goals. Make sure they're specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time-based.